this is a special day in the life of this church. For uh, a long time, we've talked about the way we value women here and the way we believe Scripture values women. And it wasn't that long ago that Lipscomb called and said, we've got somebody that wants to be a preaching major but needs to have an internship. And I said, send her. So Lauren, come on up. This is our preaching intern who's about to... Yes. Look at that. Look at that. I didn't get applause, but that's okay. I'm not hurt. Um, not over it, but uh, that reminds me. There is a series on hell coming up. It's going to last about a year and a half. Um, but Lauren I don't know why has. They gave me the big stand. Yeah, but. look at this. Yes, you get the bigger stand. You get the applause. Oh, no, I'm fine. Um, Lauren has been with us a semester, and many of you have heard her in classes already. This will be your only chance to be with us because of the way schedules work up on the stage. And we're not going to do a sermon on women in ministry because that's not really what you want to spend your life talking about. You want to talk about Jesus and God. We're in Second Kings, so guess what? We're going to talk about Second Kings. But I did ask her and found that a couple more young ladies might be joining following in your footsteps and in somebody else's, you said, who had gone before. And so this is, this is pretty cool, and we're glad to be a part of this. We're going to be looking at Second Kings, and it's a tale of chaos, the descent of a nation into chaos and captivity. We're going to be looking at a lot of stories today, um, and some of these stories might just seem like stories to you, but today we're going to have a lot of life, ap life application from these stories. Um, and when we do that, that means that some of us are going to walk away with a little bit of a hit. I am a full believer that uncomfort produces movement. So maybe some of this life application might make you a little uncomfortable, but then maybe there's some movement that will come after that. I'm one that has always loved stories. I don't think I'm the only one in here that loves the movie Frozen. Anyone else? Yes, I'm 21 and I love Frozen. Yes. Um, but I say that because uh, my best friends and I, while on a road trip this summer, we had one CD for the whole entire road trip. And it was the Frozen soundtrack. And even as being 21 years old, one of us was Anna and one of us was Elsa. And we could sing along and be a part of the story. And I think of these stories and the way that I can get captivated by them is to try to become a character and to really invest myself into the story. Couple things. Um, one, one yesterday- I'm already getting corrected. Yes, I was, get used to it. Um, <laughs> if, if I don't correct people, I don't have a job. Um, anyway. I was in the Lubbock airport yesterday and a bunch of little girls, I guess they're going to Disney World, but they're all running around singing, let it go. And I'm thinking, good advice. <laughs> but second, I agree, stories are very important. And I also like to enter into the stories, but when I read Second Kings, I have a hard time finding anybody I want to be in that story. It's, it's a series of bad stories. But there are three themes, and I want you to think about the three, three, uh, three themes. I'll eventually get those words out. It's important because that's how it's going to hit us. That's how it's going to shape us and make us uncomfortable enough for the movement. The first theme, is there not a God in Israel? Right in chapter 1, God looks at the situation and says, is it because there's no God in Israel? Even today, there's a lot of us, um, maybe even in this room, that they claim to be Christians, but yet we live a different lifestyle. And especially like here in the middle of Franklin, in the middle of Nashville, the Bible Belt, 
I think there's a lot of tendency to know who Jesus is, but not to know Jesus. We've got to start investing more. Um, I think of Elijah, who was not only living for God, but lived for God every single day, even on the day that he knew he was going to die. Like, what if we, I loved the workplace video. What if every single day we said, not am I just going to claim to be a Christian, but I'm going to live with Christ. I'm not just going to tell you who he is, but I'm going to know him. It is, it is amazing that on the day that he knew he was going to die, he still did his priestly duties. It was still about God. For Elijah, there was a God in Israel. Second Kings is a record of one tyrant after another and one just regular person after another setting themselves up as more important than God. Now, some of them absolutely said they were, such as the king of Assyria in chapter 18 and verse 32, saying, I'm bigger than God. I'm more important than God. But more often, they didn't say it. They just did it. They were just acting as if they were superior to God, just putting on a front. This is what we do when we rebel against the Lord, right? And not just completely say, oh, I don't like the Lord anymore. I don't believe in God anymore. That's just taking one aspect and saying, there's just going to be this one aspect in my life where I rebel. That's becoming against him. By the way, just doing a real quick check. I heard a big change in the sound. Are we okay up here? You guys are able to hear all right? Okay, that's all right then. It was just my medication. Um, <laughs> God's judgment comes against these kings that say, that act as if there is no God over Israel. We need to remember there is a God over America. There's a God over you individually. There's a God over the world. It's the same God. God moves against them. Sometimes it's quickly. In one night, 185,000 people are killed. That's fast. And yet, if you read chapter 19, you find the judgment of God took 20 years to really move upon the people. God's mills may grind slowly, but as the poet said, they, greed, they, they grind exceedingly fine. And then the second theme, and yet... The high places were not taken away. The phrase occurs four times in Second Kings. And yet, the high places were not taken away. The people continued sacrificing and burning incense on the high places. And I'll, one more thing before I let Lauren, because she's supposed to be talking, uh, talk. And that is, have you ever heard somebody say, if I had my life to do over again, I wouldn't change a thing? Seriously? That's being a slow learner. Is there no God in Israel? Well, then behave that way, and they didn't change anything, and yet the high places were not taken away. After everything that God had done for them, they were still reserving an area in their lives that they weren't allowing to give up to him. This is kind of what Patrick talked about a few weeks ago in 1 Kings when he said, how many drops of sewage would you let me put into your water? I mean, yeah, you wouldn't want 10, but would you really want one? What, what is that, that small aspect of your life, that small area that you're not giving up, that you're just reserving for yourself, and you're not saying, here you go, God, this part's yours? It, it's that stronghold handing over some real estate thing that we tend to do, that high place. I mean, most of these people weren't openly rebellious. There were some, chapter 18. But most of them weren't openly rebellious, and in fact, most of them would have been as offended as you if somebody had come up to them and said, Jehovah is not your king. You're not acting like God is your king. And yet, they did so. 
They acted as if they had another high place. In chapter 17, verse 9, some of them did so secretly in the dark, thinking that if others did not know, God would not know either. Um, Patrick just read 17.9, and now I'm going to be in 17.11 and 17.29, if you want to read along. At every high place they burned incense. As the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done, they did wicked things that provoked the Lord to anger. God states in wonder that they have chosen the same gods that he drove out before. We're going to move on to verse 29. Nevertheless, each national group made its own gods in the several towns where they settled and set them up in the shrines the people of Samaria had and made it the high places. They were making new gods. They kept on going, making new ones. And that is, it's just amazing. But it, can we not look in history, not just world history, but even in our own history, and see the tendency of human beings to make new gods? New nation groups, new gods. New people, new gods. And it's not as if they didn't fear the Lord. And this is the key. We've got to get this when we think about the high places. It was that they loved God and served God and these other gods. They, they joined them. This is called syncretism in history and in religion, and it's very, very, very common, this concept that we can worship God and other gods. Later, Christians said no, and that's what got them killed. Rome had no problem with you following Jesus Christ. None. As long as you followed him and Caesar, him and the local gods. It was whenever you said, I follow Jesus only and not the other gods, that you were in trouble and you got killed. Jesus comes and says, you can't have me and the gods of your nation. And that's a pretty important thing we need to think about. What are the gods of our nation? What are our gods? We have been called to abandon our high places and give them over to God, all of them. But have we? So we're going to talk about some of those things that we have to abandon. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is going to be a little bold, but what else are we doing today, right? Um, uh, when I was 12, my dad took me on my first date, daddy-daughter date, and he gave me a purity ring. And I still wear that today. It's a bit different one. I'm 21 now. It doesn't fit anymore. But um, it's been something that I've been really passionate about. And this is an area in a, that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, maybe we talk about it more over here with teenagers, but I think this is something that can be affected with everyone in this room. Uh, being pure and having purity does not just mean physically. This is being pure in heart. This is the stuff that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, side note, though, this is kind of for y'all because y'all are what I'm super passionate about. But um, my sister tells me this analogy, and it's of, let's say you're at a dinner party, right? And it's time for dessert. You've already eaten dinner. And you know that your friend is allergic to peanut butter. And you, she says, hey, do you mind to go grab me some dessert? And you're like, yeah, sure, I'll go get the dessert. So you go over to the kitchen. You're getting some dessert. You see peanut butter cookies. That's a no-go. She can't have peanut butter. And then you see chocolate cake served in the same pan as peanut butter pie. And you think, oh, I can get her some chocolate cake. That's fine. But you just want to go check with her just to make sure. So you go back to her and you're like, hey, so the chocolate cake, peanut butter pie, you, you tell her what's going on. And she goes, no, 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 I can't have a hint of peanut butter. We're not called to have a hint of sexual immorality. And I just want to speak this over everyone in this room. Like, 
letting that one ounce isn't okay. Fooling around is not okay. Like, we got to be pure in every aspect. And that's starting with being pure in heart. And that will overflow into your physical lives. Absolutely. Well, by the way, she addressed the young folk, which I'm glad she did. But the old folk, the only reason we don't sin as much as young folk is that we don't have the opportunities or energy. (laughs) Right? Right? We've not gotten better. We've just gotten less energetic. And so, again, what she's saying applies. You know, what are we watching on television? What entertains us? We can't even have a hint of that on a high place. What about money? Oh, my goodness. Talking to a church about materialism before Christmas is like preaching on gluttony before the church potluck. God's plan is for you to tithe, save, then spend. The world's plan on its high place is shop till you drop. Do you remember some of you are old enough that a a Christmas present was a nice razor, uh, a nice little thing? Have you noticed how many Lexus and Mercedes commercials are out there now? What happened? A new high place has been created. By the way, nothing wrong with those cars. What I'm saying is whenever we elevate money, it throws everything else out of whack. Something that kind of corresponds with money is the laying up our treasures on earth. Uh, This is, again, another topic that I'm pretty passionate about. I learned a lot in the year 2013. I'm still learning a whole lot. But last year, uh, I took on a resolution that I thought wasn't going to be that bad. Um, I I told my mom, I was like, I'm not going to buy anything that I can wear on my body for a year. I'm not going to buy one article of clothing, shoes, or anything. And I kind of went into it a little confident, guys. I was kind of like, all right, I'm good. Like, I'm not going to go shopping. It'll be fine. But it was hard. Do you know how many times that we don't think about the things that we buy? I have a soccer jersey from every country I've ever been to. Oh, except for Panama, because I went there during 2013. There's things that we don't think about that we just buy. Laying up our treasures on earth, I think about the rich young ruler, and I think about even when, again, Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talks about how we shouldn't worry about what we're wearing or what we're eating, but yet we store up all this stuff in our fridges and in our lives and in our hearts. We just go and buy all this stuff especially here. Um, as a college student, I don't have to worry about it as much, but <laughs> right. it's still hard. Well, any, any time of fasting, whether it's from buying clothing or for some of you this month, you men, shaving is, is a reminder. If you didn't know, it's Movember and guys are supposed to be growing hair, which a lot of people do automatically, so it's all right. Uh, and you're actually, you've got something going this month. Yes. Um, I work with a teenage girls ministry that I've worked with for a while that my sister founded. And we do a couple of movements throughout the year. And the one we're doing right now is No Makeup November. So my first, my first Sunday at a pulpit, and I couldn't sit in front of the mirror this morning and put makeup on. So and, that was and, a little bit of a struggle, a little insecure about it, but I'm learning and growing through that. So. And in solidarity, I didn't wear any either. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so supportive. Patrick Mead, No Makeup, everyone. Yeah. Got to speak word to power. Um, opinions can be your high place. If you're thinking, well, mine's, you know, that's silly, clothes and makeup and like that. What about opinions? We can elevate them to something higher than opinion. You have opinions about war, so do I. You have opinions about homeschooling, so do I. You have opinions about politics, so do I. 
You have opinions about what we should be doing in worship. So do I. How high are you going to raise them? If you raise them high enough to where we can't see each other, you've raised them higher than Jesus. What are your high places? When we start to let go of some of these high places, we start to become more unified with each other. God says, make every effort to keep the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. When God calls us to be united, why is it that other people that believe in God get in our way? Um, whew, bring up a girl on stage and she'll start crying. <laughs> um, thank you for being a place that has been unified. Um, for being a place that has been encouraging. Um, for me, I've experienced a lot of love here in different ways that I haven't experienced um, through a community of believers, and this is really cool. This is a really cool, really cool place to be a part of. Um, there is unity in this. Patrick and I have very few things in common. I don't know if you've picked up on that. <laughs> um, our, our, our personalities are just, just a, a, a little different. We look a little bit different, too. Yes. Um, age, way different. But... <laughs> But this is, <laughs> but there is unity in this. There is unity in this congregation because of what's taking place right now. Um, and and as, a, as a group of people that can see this and, and can feel this and embrace this Sunday and be excited, I also want to encourage us to be unified with the people that might not want to be here this Sunday morning. And that's okay. We are all believing in the same God. That's absolutely right. Our high place what are your high places? What preferences, desires, traditions? Please remember that the higher we raise our self-righteousness, the lower our humility goes. And the less we can see Jesus because we've created a new high place. And have we not learned? We are slow learners. Everybody agrees for the obvious things. It's wrong to drink and drive, but we let bars have parking lots. We're very slow learners. And although we as Christians say there's nothing higher than Jesus, we put a lot of other high places out there. Let me just bring it down to this. What is your Isaac? What do you have to take to the mountain to sacrifice before God can use you? What is your Isaac? A man once asked me, but he was talking about church programs. He looked at me and he said, would you shoot your dog for God? And I, I was safe. I had no dog. But I knew what he meant. Some of us, and I raised dogs all my life until uh, the last several years, some dogs are useful. Some aren't. Some started useful and became non-useful. His, his, uh, his point about church programs was, how many of our programs just keep going because they're our pets? They're not useful. They're not helpful. But we love them so much, if somebody took them away, we'd get very angry. What is your Isaac? What would you have to lay upon the mountain? And that really is our third theme. God wants to work with you. Now, that's, that's just amazing because he does pretty good on his own, does he not? Have you seen the creation? He did that on his own. I-65, we did. Took him six days. 
I-65 will never be done. <laughs> Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. <laughs> and yet, God chooses to work with us and require our participation. Look at that in the life of Elisha. There's some really cool stories about Elisha in yep. this book. And if you haven't dug into 2 Kings, I really encourage you to. Though Patrick is standing up here and walking you through the Bible, your time alone getting into the Word and reading these stories for yourself is going to be substantial to the growth. Um, there's going to be a lot of really cool things that can come if you read it on your own and then you come and hear him talk about it. But read it on your own and see what there's going to be in store. There's a really cool story. Um, there's a few. Um, I'm going to hit on one just really quickly of salt. I encourage you, 2 Kings 2. Everyone just go read it today. It won't take long. Um, 2 Kings 2, and Elisha comes in, and the water is bad, and the land is bad, and then he's like, okay, we're going to put salt in the well, and they're just kind of confused, and then he does, and then things are better. Okay, that was a really quick version. But what's cool there, a lot of people would say, why did God need salt to fix that? What's the point? Like, couldn't God just do it himself? Yes, but God wants to work with you. Yes, you can pray, and he is here, and he is going to move. I'm a firm believer that he is here, and he is working. Work alongside him. Work with him. Be diligent. Go to those places that it talked about in the video, and go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes, have a prayer life with him, and believe that he's going to move mountains and do amazing things, but also stand up and put some salt in the well. Say, this is what I'm going to do. This is the gifts you've given me, and here I go. It's just simple things. Jehoshaphat had to dig ditches and fill them with water before the battle. Why? God didn't really need the ditches, but Jehoshaphat needed to be in, involved. He needed to be, he needed buy-in to the process. He needed blood in the game. It's rather like, uh, real quick story, not in the notes, by the way, if you start searching. Um, we lived on a mountain in West Virginia for, for eight years, and the neighborhood there gathered every July 4th as a neighborhood and every Christmas. And they let us know, it's your turn to host the July 4th thing. I looked at him and said, really? You're not sensing any irony? And uh, this at all, and they didn't. And so we you know, sent out invitations, you've got our country, come take our food. Um, And then a few years later, we're standing in Troy, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit, and trying not to cry as our 18-year-old son puts up his hand and swears into the United States Marine Corps. First thing we did when we came home was put an American flag on our house. Now we're involved. Now we have blood in the game. Everything changed at that moment. God is saying, I can do this without you, but it's not good for you if I do. You need to be involved. You need to be a part of this process. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan seven times. Why? Did God need him to do that? No, but Naaman needed to learn to do what he was told. So, here's the big question. Are you in? Where are your high places? Is there a God in your life? God wants to work with you, are you in? Are you all in? Are there other high places competing with him? Are you willing to allow him to work in your life? Would you stand as we give the admonition? 
and then we will close with a prayer, and after the prayer, we will be led in one song. Pull down the altars on the high places. Cooperate with God in his promises. Live as a believer, and don't be afraid to be bold in your faith. Repent when you come upon hidden altars in your life. And when you find yourself bowing down, check your direction. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He comforts those who are mourning. It is a beautiful thing to really know that he is ready for you to be with him, even in your times of struggle. He is surrounding you, and he loves you. Everybody has a God. Make sure you pick the right one. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we repent of the high places that we have built in our lives. We repent and we hand over those to you. For there is a God in Israel and there is a God in our life and there's only room for you. Help us, forgive us when we forget that. Father, help us to check our direction when we bow to make sure that we are facing the one and only God. Father, we come before you as a broken people who've messed up at times. But God, we believe in you and we believe in your power. And we come to you as your children, asking you to give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to let go of the areas in our lives that we're holding on to to keep as our own territory, Father. Right now in this moment, I pray, I pray a prayer over all of these people in the powerful and bold name of your son, Jesus, that you just allow us to leave this place and be your people, that we wake up in the morning with more of a desire to serve you and to see you, and that, God, we can see you in everything and in everyone. Be in us and allow us to radiate with your joy. Help us to know you more with each and every day, Father, and with each breath that we breathe, God. Help us to just breathe more of your life. We love you so much. Thank you so much for these people in this room and for what they're doing in their families and in this community. And God, thank you for what they're doing for the kingdom. Thank you for your movement here. We love you and we recognize that everything that was said today is yours. We do not claim that any of this is our own, but that is yours, God. This is all for the glory and the honor and the power of you. Through your precious son's name, Jesus, we pray.